This episode of the Business Samurai Podcast is brought to you by Lamar Marie Popcorn. You can get now one bag and get a second bag for half off with the code BARKER at checkout. So if you like your snacks a little sweet, a little salty, a little mixture of both, go check out LamarMarie.com and all of the flavors that they have for your next snacking sensation. That is LamarMarie.com with code BARKER at checkout for buy one, get one, half off. You are listening to the Business Samurai Podcast. Growing a business is hard work. The faster you grow, the harder it is to keep yourself on the right path. Welcome to the Business Samurai Podcast, where we break down the fundamental skills necessary to become a well-rounded leader as you continue to conquer the world in your business. The best business-related podcast as you captain your own destiny and rise above the noise. To help your growth strategy in simple terms you will understand, you will learn the best metrics to track, how communication is the lifesaver when it comes to business, and how good policy will fix the weak link when it comes to cybersecurity. People, listen in on conversations with world-class business leaders and how they manage growth and integrate the latest technology. We will deconstruct their processes on how they choose to advance themselves, their team, and customers. You are stepping into a world of proactive business with your host, John Barker. Welcome to the Business Samurai Podcast. I'm your host, John Barker. And with me today is a super special guest, project management trainer to the stars, Carl Pritchard. Carl is one of the most recognizable trainers in the project management industry. As a contributor and authorized trainer for the Project Management Institute's industry, leading the PMP certification. Carl went on to specialize in risk management and has been a sought-after speaker and consultant for his engaging and fun way he discusses risk and project management, which, quite frankly, are typically viewed in the most exciting and thralling manners. (laughs) I I first heard Carl speak at a Washington, uh, D.C. PMI event several years ago uh, and really walked away hoping that I could have half the stage presence um, and storytelling ability that Carl did. So I'm I'm extremely excited to have Carl here today. Thanks for taking the time. Hey, thank you. So one of the things that I found curious when I was doing prep work was that you used to be a news director before you got into project management and risk management. How how did you start out in the news and go, uh, you know what? I like this Pembok thing out here. Let's go down that path. What was what was that like? <laughs> well, I was the news director at Wash FM in DC. And um, I was a journalist by trade, got my degree in journalism. And which is a whole nother story these days, because journalism is not what it was 40 years ago. But that notwithstanding, I had been working as the news director at WASH. And what what transpired was um, I got to the point where I had kids and realized radio (laughs) doesn't pay money. And I was looking for other options and other careers. And a friend of mine. A woman named Lisa, she actually uh, came to me and said, hey, there's a company that needs some video scripts on contract management and project management. Can you write a video script? And I said, sure. By the way, that's my first pointer of the day. Somebody asks you, can you, would you, could you at any point in your career? The correct answer is, <laughs> sure, that's all we do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's everybody's working for a side hustle. 
everybody's looking for some different way to make a buck. And the same was true the, the, below those 35, 40 years ago. And I got into working for these big companies, writing video scripts oh. on project management. In order to do that, I had to do the homework. Awesome. And here we so are. So one of the things that I saw you speak on, and again, I'm going to say this was in the before times, um, and I can't remember exactly how long it was, that you kind of specialized in risk. Again, you've got project management. Now you're yeah. going, hold up, I'm going to be the guy telling you how everything's going to go wrong. Uh what what was the drive? I mean, what you know? I'm always curious of what when people get into a very very specific niche. What was uh, how did you get into that niche? Well, the our corporate. I was then working for a project management consulting firm, and our corporate risk guy quit, and he had been working with our top you know Fortune 50 clients, and he was gone. And I remember going down to the bosses one day and saying, hey, Ed, who's the new risk guy? And Ed said, I am <laughs> so glad you asked me that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you, you got to be kidding me. I don't know squat about risk. And he said, that's OK. You've got six weeks to get up to speed. So I, I started reading, 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 studying, studying, studying. Still not enough. Because our biggest client at the time said, hey, the new risk guy you sent over, he's not a real risk guy. And Ed, my boss, said, oh, <laughs> apparently he didn't tell you. And I'm in this meeting going, didn't tell them what? And he said, well, Carl's writing a book <laughs> on risk management. And I'm like, I am? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, he's writing a book on risk management. And uh, he's going to be the guy who wrote the book. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm the guy who wrote the book. So I had to build enough credibility in order to actually write a book on risk management. The book, now in its fifth edition. Awesome. Oh, yeah, it actually gave me all the research, all the homework and everything else and doing the uh, the case studies and everything else that went with it. Poof, I Listen. am the risk so, so guy. So what you're saying is for anybody looking to start their career, the first thing that they should do if they're going into something new is to just write a book. <laughs> uh, you know, it, you, you laugh, but I'm serious. If you want to be, as a matter of fact, I had a conversation with a woman day before yesterday and she was really interested in um, talking about one particular new cyber niche of risk management. And she said, I have, um, she said, how can I get people to believe that I'm credible on this? I've been doing it for 15 years, but I can't get people to believe me. Write a book. <laughs> Write the book. Yeah. And she said, well, yeah, but I can't write a book. And I said, you can write a book. I said, look mm -hmm. at the blogs that are out there. Blogs are generally 800 to 1,200 words. A book is generally about, oh, 18 to 24,000 words. So just write blogs, write them for several months, compile them, reorganize them, reorient them, connect them. Poof, I'm gonna write got a, a book. book. 
I think I just wrote that down. <laughs> yeah, I think you should. You should get right on that right now. Yeah, we should yeah, just I, end this stop. and you go right so your when were you doing when did you start spinning up and actually become doing training? Were you doing consulting and training uh kind of together or did you transition into just kind of being the yes. premier trainer? I'll I'll Actually, I was doing primarily consulting. I was doing I was a tech writer. And uh, as a tech writer, I got the phone call one morning from, again, Ed, my old boss. And Ed I need to talk to Ed. I think oh, I need to talk to Ed. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you do. You really do. But um, Ed called me into his office and he said, Carl, you rewrote all of the U.S. Postal Service procurement manuals, didn't you? And I said, yeah, <laughs> yes, I did. And, uh, and he was like, oh, that's great. That's great. And he said, get your stuff together, get a tie. You're out of here. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you're teaching today. And I said, Ed, I've never taught a day in my life. And he said, doesn't matter. Kevin is stuck in Memphis, Tennessee, can't get a flight out. He's supposed to be at the Postal Academy in Potomac teaching a class this morning. You're teaching it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so it goes. And the, the thing that really ticked off Kevin, who was stuck in Memphis, was I did got better <laughs> ratings than he did. And <laughs> so what you're saying is we need to find our our own Ed so, to kick us out of our comfort zones and say we're going to start doing something new is pretty much what every success boils down to. <laughs> yeah. And when somebody asks you, can you, you would you, it? could you, the correct answer, that's all we do. Awesome. Yeah. That is all we do. And my entire career is built on pure serendipity. It really is. And I'm, I'm grateful. I am eternally grateful for the fact that people have been willing to say, look, don't care if you fail. Just no, don't. that's awesome to have. And uh, yeah, it's awesome good, to have the, to be able to have fortune. that, you know, car blanche to, you know, and the, the trust from people to be able to, to do that. Certainly, I want to circle back to risk because this is something I'm in the tech and, and cyber industry space. It's obviously it's been blowing up, but it's been an area, you know, cybersecurity is pretty much all risk management when you when you boil down to it, whether it's process procedures, tool sets, whatever, however it wants to be, you know, dealt with. But we're at a point now where I feel like it's it's people getting beat with a sledgehammer across the face with it and it's falling on deaf ears. And one of the things, again, having heard you speak and Mm -hmm. read some of your writing and all is you've you've turned it you've turned risk management into something that can be you know fun without being you know again getting slapped over the head with that how how can we start transitioning that conversation into a oh my god here's the guy coming and how we're going to get hacked and we're going to lose all the money and they're, they're going to ask for tons of money into a, a no kidding a legit risk analysis or risk management type of process procedure Well, we're we're still, as this is being recorded, we're still living in the land of COVID, and it it, it does tie in, trust me. Um, but the whole problem has been everybody's waiting for the um, the COVID <laughs> monster 
to come and attack and do evil things when the reality is we're down to boring and pragmatic. Driving. How do you keep yourself alive? You wear a seat belt. Yeah. It's not exciting. It's not dynamic. It doesn't do anything just crazy fun. And yet it saves more lives than anything else. It's the simple stuff of cyber security. We keep trying to prevent or present ourselves as, well, we're going to be have a ransomware attack and it's going to get in there and it's going to shut down all of our systems. Can that happen? Yes. Is that as likely to happen as some idiot little hack where somebody gets in and steals client data? No. You know, it's the little things that we should be watching for, the day-to-day things. And everybody wants to prepare for the nuclear bomb. It's not the nuclear bomb that's going to kill us. It's the person driving (laughs) in the lane next to us. You know, that's... That's really where our problems come from. And unfortunately, people get so obsessed about the the nuke that they're not really looking at the day-to-day. And it's the day-to-day, which is where we need to be harping on cybersecurity. And as a result, what it means we need to be doing is actually going to people and saying those fateful words. Here's how we're going to make sure you... (laughs) change your password here. Yeah. And, and, and you look at that and go, yeah, Carl, I'm talking serious cybersecurity. So am I, I'm talking about the serious risks and these are the risks that are going to bury us. These are the ones that are going to get no, us. Absolutely. Not the Do you find that, that a lot of companies be, because they either, I don't want to, you know, they either find risk conversations boring or taxing or not sexy enough that they just don't have enough conversations surrounding that in general. Um, they, they want somebody else to deal with it. Risk of I was, um, I had been working with one of the big telecoms. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I had been working with one of the big telecoms and felt like we were really making some very nice inroads on getting their people in the day to day to deal with the ho-hum boring risks, getting people to deal with the stuff they should be dealing with. And that was making me very happy. And I I worked with them for a couple of years, and then um, we parted ways for different reasons. But I got a call from one of my past students there who was so excited to call me. He calls me up and he goes, Carl, I've got the best news ever. You're going to be so happy about this that your gospel was listened to. And I said, really, what's going on? And he said, they're opening a whole new risk office in Houston. Everything is going to be channeled through the risk office in Houston. Nobody on the field is going to deal with it anymore. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, people want to get rid of it. They just, la, 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 la. They just don't want to hear it. And as a result, we wind up dealing with the aftermath of that, which is the risk office in Houston has no idea what's going on on the ground in Baltimore or Hartford. They, they, they don't. They're clueless. And we need to make sure that risk is understood as it's a 
me problem. It's a you problem. It's an us problem. It is something that we need to look at collectively. And when somebody identifies a risk and it doesn't happen, it doesn't transpire either because of their action or their chosen inaction, we need to make sure that somebody walks up to them and says, hey, I noticed that nothing went wrong on your project. And I just wanted to tell you, <laughs> I wept openly. I really did. It was the most beautiful thing I ever saw. Your project had nothing going on. Your project was dull. Instead, what do we do? We reward the firefighters. We reward the people who are just out there. Oh, something bad is happening. Stomp, 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 stomp. You know, it, I had one student put it the most eloquently I had ever heard it, which is if you've got three firefighters or more in an organization, one of them is an arsonist. <laughs> and we need to, we really need to stop. How would you person. advise, you know, how would you approach, or you probably have a story about it, of being able to shift that culture, that, that mindset into, you know, well, I'll use cybersecurity as an example. You, you've hit on it. It's a cultural thing. It, you can't relegate this to the IT or SOC engineer or whoever you have on staff. It takes across the board. So how do you get that, that mindset from a leadership down to going, hold on a second. We gotta, we gotta, we can make some changes here. Well, for one, you build it into the systems. You build it in so that when people make stupid cyber mistakes, that they genuinely get the firm slap on the wrist. One automotive company I work with actually did this and did it brilliantly. The way they did it was they, um, they were having huge problems mm -hmm. with phishing. Everybody was getting fished. Yeah, a lot of people were getting fished. And in the course of getting fished, um, they, you know, they had had phishing training. They had had phishing explanations. They had shown people the difference between a fished and an unfished email. Those kinds of things didn't matter. They were still getting fished. So what did they do? Their cybersecurity folks said, okay, fine. We're going to end this forever. What is the one thing nobody likes doing? And I can tell you as a trainer, nobody <laughs> likes going to training. Yeah. Yeah, everybody, oh, God, I got a training today. Continuing <laughs> education credits. So they sent out a bunch of, yeah, exactly. But they sent out a bunch mm -hmm. of fished emails. They sent out a bunch of internal. They were internal, but they sent out a bunch of emails that were actually fishing expeditions. And they sent them out. And if you clicked on it, if you followed the paths in it, if you did anything with it, aside from just delete or report it to the sysadmin, which was a very nice thing. But if you did anything except that, if you clicked on it, immediately your screen was occupied <laughs> with a big message. You've been registered for a training event on fishing and how to avoid it. And it auto-scheduled them into this training they couldn't weasel their way out of. And, you know, it, it becomes part of the system. People are like, oh, I got to watch my email more carefully. I heard that Ted got <laughs> fished. Yeah, well, Ted got fished. And as soon as that happens, you start getting a response because it's real time. It is action and effect. You know, it's, 
And as a result of that, you wind up with people who are better educated on the whole notion of how to avoid this crap. Awesome. I want to switch gears a little bit to just kind of general project management. Where do you see the industry going? As as I know from when I did all the pinbox stuff, agile was the new buzzword, but now it seems to almost be taking over. It's even part of, I believe, the the newer versions of the test. It was not when when I when I was doing the initial training. How do you how do you see the evolution of project management in and of itself going over the next five or ten years? Well, I think I think it's a pendulum swinging, and uh, I'm. It is. It is, it has gone just hog wild bat guano crazy for agile. You're right, and all the various versions of agile. There's agile. There's disciplined agile. There's all the other versions of it that are out there. And fine, good, baby, <laughs> bathwater. That's the real problem here. Is I, I see us as I think Agile has a place, but then you, you start talking to people who do Agile, and I'm using the air quotes on purpose because I'll talk to somebody about it and they'll say, oh, we're an Agile shop. And I'll say, oh, that's great. Congratulations. So you fully dedicate people to a single project until it's done. Well, uh, no, no, we don't do that. We, uh, we do, we try to give them as much time to work on a given project as, oh, so you're doing agile, but you're not following the agile manifesto. You're not actually doing what it says you should be doing in agile. Well, we're, yeah, we're agile though. Oh, okay. So you fully dedicate your people. You ensure that you have a clear objective written and posted that is always out there. You have defined time-limited sprints, and everybody is dedicated to the sprint. And people are like, well, <laughs> no, we kind of do Agile light. And as soon as I hear that, what I hear is what you heard for years in traditional project management, which is, oh, yeah, we project manage. Oh, so you have a work breakdown structure. Well, yeah, but we don't call it that. Oh, okay, but you do have distinct work packages that are all roughly the same size. Well, they're the size they need to be. And my <laughs> head explodes because we're doing everything except whatever traditional project management or agile project management demands of us. And, and people don't get that. They, they don't get it's 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 you you can actually if you want the benefits of traditional project management, then do it. You want the benefits of agile management. Do it. But unfortunately, people decide, no, 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 we're going to do our version of agile because we understand it better <laughs> than the original agilists. And in other words, they just want to make it easy on themselves and have wiggle room to do what they want to do. And that is not what Agile is. So where do I see the pendulum swinging in the future? Sooner or later, somebody is going to come to that realization. Oh, wow. If we just followed the rules, we might actually get things done. <laughs> Yeah, but following mm -hmm. the rules is uncomfortable and a pain and management doesn't like it. Boo frickin' who? I don't care. You know, suck it up. And I think 
Somebody's going to figure that out and be the next great guru. Somebody will. They'll figure out if you just follow the rules. Doesn't matter if you do an agile, traditional, waterfall, mm -hmm. hybrid. Make a set of rules and stick to them. But everybody's like, yeah, we'll stick to them, except we need John over here for just three meetings. And the well, world explodes. You, you, you've touched on something that I've seen. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not like I've ever project managed the building of a, a Boeing jet or something like that, where I know you've, you, you've got to have rigorous systems and something along those lines, you know, more mid-tier. That people like the structure or like being able to say they've got a project manager with the certifications on there until somebody's got to change in scope. All of a sudden, the time starts magically disappearing from what the timeline initially was. Or the funding seems to be squishy from what it originally was. So if, do you see that uh, for some of these, I'm going to call it the small and the, and the mid-tier, they like the rules except for when it doesn't fit their own imaginary thing. <laughs> oh, small, mid-tier, big-tier. All those people, they, they, wanna, they, they don't want the rules to apply to them. And that's why I'm saying if you want, you know, somebody at some point is going to go sit down with management and it's going to be amazing because they're going to already have eight PMPs <laughs> on staff. They're going to have eight certified project managers on staff and some consultant is going to come in and go, hmm, you know, I've been studying what you've been doing. I've been looking at it and there's a book out there. It's called <laughs> the PMBOK. And um, what I'd like to do is to try and align our approaches with the PMBOK and follow them ardently. Oh, really? And management, the scales will <laughs> fall from their eyes and they'll go, how brilliant is that? Why didn't you people think of this? And the PMPs are all going to be, I could have <laughs> saved you all those consulting fees if you'd been listening to me for the past five years. It always takes that third party to come in that's not ingrained so, in the, yeah. the political drama that somebody can come in and say, act. Stop screwing mm -hmm. up, and then here, here's my bill, and then uh, tell me when you tell me when you screw up again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And the funny thing is, they hire very expensive consultants. Oh, hey! If, if anybody's um, just listening, this Carl was waving at the camera when he says expensive consultants. <laughs> yeah, but they hire very expensive consultants, and we come in. And we give them the same counsel they've been getting forever. And we go home. That's, I, 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 I'm infuriated by that. I really am. They should have been listening to their own people the whole blessed time. They've got a lot of smart people on staff, and they should take full advantage of every last one of them. And unfortunately... What happens is they don't treat them like consultants. The term consultant is from the root to provide sage counsel. And they can give sage counsel just as well as I can. And that we should be, you know, listening to the them directly. Yeah. So I, I've got hey, a, a, hey, a friend of mine. He's getting ready to retire from the Marine Corps. He is getting ready to start taking his project management training. 
um, I would definitely be sharing this with him because I was texting him earlier today. What what do you uh, see to make it effective in somebody just starting out to go down the the project management track to one get the skills and tools necessary to be successful in the discipline? Uh, be a nuisance. <laughs> Hold on, I, I would say that's now. the uh, <laughs> yeah. no, really, it's the it's the it's the first rule is you've got to be the one who says you know it's funny. I was looking at, and it's like, pick your project management volume. I don't care. And by the way, some people will be like, well, should I be following Pimbox 7 <laughs> or Pimbox 6? And, uh, you know, it's like, no, here, hold on. Let me get it off my bookshelf here. This is Pimbox 1, three-ring binder, the whole bit. Yeah, this is Pimbox 1. It would be just as helpful as Pimbox 7. You know, the reality is pick an approach and stick to it and become a zealot for it. Believe in it and, and, and then pursue it. And when somebody says, hey, hey, that's all outdated. Really? The idea of breaking work down into manageable chunks is outdated? Well, no, not that part. Oh, the idea of actually putting it in a proper sequence, that's outdated? No. The longer you go in all this, the further you realize, okay, the important stuff, the stuff that actually gets work done has been the same. It remains the same under Agile. It remains the same under traditional waterfall project manager. I don't care what approach you're using or how dated your materials might be. It's simply a function of basically come up with some guidance. Hold on. <laughs> Welcome to reality. But um, the, the ugly reality of all this is that people don't want to pick a gospel. They want to pick verses out of the gospel. And, you know, we need to just basically select a gospel. Here's the rules of the road. That Stick will to these work. rules of the road and you're going to get repeatable success. Yeah, gotcha. on the nose. But unfortunately, people don't can't they 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 find it very hard to repeat, repeat, repeat. Well, it's just not in there. Well, it's about to wrap idiot. up on time. I wanted to uh, just find out from you over your long your your long story career. What was the most project you look back on that you found to be the most satisfying to say? I look at look at what was accomplished. I, I had a hand in that. Uh, what what do you look back on and and enjoy for one of the big telecoms and for george washington university we built their e-learning okay. infrastructure e-learning yep. e and this was before e-learning was cool because we built their e-learning infrastructure complete with all the bells all the whistles except video in 1993 wow. and four. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're not talking about, oh, we had high bandwidth. It's like, what can you yeah. get through on a 56 K modem? Yeah. And that was, that was quite the accomplishment, figuring out a way to actually package whole training events over a 56 K modem. And we did it. And to me, that was, you know, it was one of those, it had never edge. been done. 
And uh, again, yeah, at the time it was one of those things where my boss, oh, Ed, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna have to go find Ed. <laughs> hey, best, yeah, best boss I ever had. But um, Ed said, um, Carl, we've we've had two people out there trying to do this, and they both failed, and both of them did. They had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and got nothing done. And he said, this is your big chance to actually put a big project under your belt. Think you and can do you this. say at the beginning of this? <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, that's all we do. Yeah. And uh, we did. We got it done to the satisfaction of both those clients. And it was, uh, granted, by today's standards, it would be a dinosaur. But at the same time, it was full-blown training over a 56K modem. And to be able to do that for a major university, to be able to do that for a Fortune 50 corporation, yeah. win, awesome. win, win. Just awesome. unbelievable. Well, I super appreciate your time today. If people want to reach out, I know you, I, I had the fortune to be able to help contribute to an article that you, uh, you just uh, released on uh, management concepts, I believe, uh, just this past week. Uh, but yeah. uh, if people want to reach out, and what's the best way for them to do that? I'm I'm a zealot for email. I'm checking it day and night. It's Carl C A R L. <laughs> I spell my name the right way. It's Carl at CarlPritchard.com. And by the way. It's Carl at CarlPritchard.com. There's a Canadian paper company that has the URL <laughs> Pritchard.com. And I'm sure they get a lot of Carl at Pritchard.coms with people asking PM questions going, what? And no, it's Carl at Carl. That's awesome. This has been a blast. I, I had fun being able to go through your backstory and getting some uh, tips that I can integrate into you know my daily life. <laughs> cool. Anything to be of service, sir.